What is good, everybody, man? Welcome into the Blue Bloods. New Tom. Listen, man, Co Coach is a busy man, so we're, we're, we're going to cut off the late, late live streams, man. We're going to be going live 4, 4.30 on, on Mondays and Thursdays for our previews and recaps moving forward, man. We're probably going to try to fit another live stream in there, or at least I am somewhere in the week. Also have just the normal content on the website Big announcement, hopefully next week, man, trying to get the last few details nailed down on that, man. Me and Coach have a huge announcement just for the overall site, um, podcast, everything that's going on over here at the Blue Bloods, man. But, Coach, conference plays here, man. How you feeling? Man, feeling good about the play, not feeling good myself, uh, kind of like we talked about. It's a, uh, it's a strange thing going on, man. We start practice – um, it's in the 60s, and by the time practice ends, uh, it's hitting close to 90. And it caught me. But, you know, hey, in this business, no off days. Got to keep rolling. <laughs> man, I, I, I feel you on that, man. But, Coach, let's hit some quick storylines going into week four. Real quick, the breaking news of the day for the FCS is the Board of Trustees at Chicago State has officially approved a public fundraising campaign to expand the university's athletic department and look into potentially adding an FCS football program. So the goal would be, from what I was told, they would, if they started the program, they would join the Pioneer League initially, initially non-scholarship league, yep. kind of get the finances going. And the goal would be, actually, I know a lot of people have pointed to the MEAC as a potential conference. The goal would actually be to join the WAC in all sports. And so they would officially be a part of the UAC is from what I'm told. So that's the goal right now. Coach, man, your initial reaction to that news. Uh, I love it. Um, anytime, you know, a program is, is starting up, that's giving more opportunities to more kids uh, to be able to fulfill their college dreams of playing college football. Um, if it's done right, uh, I think it'll be a great situation. Um, I love it. I don't know about the conference choice after the Pioneer League, uh, just because of location. But, you know, who am I? But uh, anytime a program starts up, man, that's great. New opportunities for new people, not just kids, coaches in general, uh, fan base. I think it's a good deal. You know, the, the problem with that, with that location is, you know, you have Chicago. It's like right in the middle of the Missouri Valley, kind of like that area. It's going to be – I'm just going to be – Frank about it. It's going to be a long time before that program's ready to compete in the Missouri Valley Conference. I mean, you're, if you signed up to join that, I'll pay a little bit extra for travel rather than be be O in like 72 in my first two seasons of college football. <laughs> like that's what would happen if you jumped into the Missouri Valley Conference. So it's because the MEAC would be kind of maybe not the northern teams, but I mean, it's still a trek down to South Carolina and stuff like that. But I, but I'm trying to think is what it's like Texas. You got Utah, Utah Tech in there. I mean, the travel's going to be steep in the, in the in the whack anyway. Either way. Um, but I think you do, like you said, I think you have to be strategic about it. You have to be smart on the end of not just travel, but like you said, uh, do we want to go 0-99 before we celebrate our first victory? Uh, so, you know, you have to be strategic about all that, uh, which I think will help your program grow faster. Uh, if you're really st strategic about where you go when you do come in. I think even the Big South OVC merger, if you join like the Ohio Valley, I don't think, 
I, I personally don't uh, don't feel like that would be too hard. I mean, you got Tennessee State right there. You, you I mean, uh, like UT Martin. I mean, the OVC is kind of in your footprint too. I mean, you do have some a little bit of travel. I'm just trying to think of like what would be your longest trip, and I'm blanking on that. But I I don't know. Um, you know, it, we'll see. Bus rides though, all doable. Yeah, well, yeah, um, all doable. So some winnable games in there. Yes, that's the biggest thing is like you need to find a conference where you can win some games. Now, the MEAC would love to probably have them just because, I mean, you are, you're down to six teams. The OVC, Big South, they've merged. You got the UAC Alliance up until they can get approved to be an official conference. You know, the MEAC, unless you combine with the SWAC, which I still – it sounds good in theory. I still don't think that's doable because, it, I mean, it's too many like teams. To travel. Yeah, and then FAMU – and Bethune left strictly because they didn't want to go to Delaware State, and you're going to merge the conferences, and now everyone's upset. Like, I just don't see that happening because I mean, you'd be going from what Delaware to Texas. That's a that's a at mean, some point. Yeah, at some point, like I know you could have divisions and all that. At some point, you got to make that trip, and I don't think none of the schools want to do that. So it's like, who does the MEAC combine with? Because the, there's only one other HBCU conference, and it's like. They're not eligible to combine with right now. Who? Where does the MEAC turn for teams? Now, I did hear there were some teams in the D2 conferences looking to move up, but Chicago State would be a nice Band-Aid, I feel like, over the issue of not having enough teams. Well, and I do too, but I also think that that presents another problem. Now you're uneven. You got an uneven number of teams, so now you got to come up with one more, or you go back to the original problem um, of not having even number of teams. But uh, I agree with you. I'm not sure. Well, I know we would be taking a plane from Mississippi to Delaware <laughs> if that game came up on the schedule, if we combine. But again, the travel is just going to be murder in, in itself, whichever way they go. Uh, but I think the MEAC has got to look into some of those teams. And like you said, I don't know if some of those D2 teams qualify, but I would, I would heavily uh, – you know, pursue some of those guys as well. Coach, man, you know, outside of that, you know, the, the, it, it's really been focused on what's going on this weekend, man. But give me your storyline for going into the week you're most looking forward to talking about. It's in, in my neck of the woods, man, it's got to be that Texas Southern Grambling. Um, two teams that had a lot of preseason uh, hype around them. Uh, I think the loser at this point – is in a heap of trouble. Um, this this one's going to be interesting because it's a must-win for both both programs. Uh, so that's my storyline to see if Graham shows up offensively and defensively, and if Texas Southern can right the ship after giving up seventy and sixty something in back-to-back weeks. Uh, you know what 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 are they where are they at right now mentally as a program? Uh, so, you know, that's my one storyline from my neck of the woods. You know, kind of building off that storyline, there's HBCU Nightly last night. Josh reported there's a chance Davius Richard does not play against Valley this weekend for North Carolina Central. They're talking about possibly keeping him out. Now, I'm not saying Valley's pulling the upset. Even without Davius, that team is still good enough to win that game. I mean, I'm not saying that, but it will be interesting to see because we have this conversation all the time. What happens after a star quarterback leaves? 
Salt with Eric Berry at Eastern Washington, Cole Kelly at Southeastern, Incarnate Word for like the past seven years, it feels like, as they got a new quarterback every year. Like, we always wonder who who's going to step up and replace. This could be a good opportunity to see what North Carolina Central looks like without Davius Richard. And, and, and another thing, too, with Texas Southern, Andrew Body probably not going to play this weekend due to injury. They just had a quarterback transfer this weekend. What is the depth in that quarterback room? Like if one more guy goes down, because for me, FCS schools don't usually have enough scholarships to carry four quarterbacks. What happens if bodies hurt, you lose a transfer and another guy gets hurt. Like what is the depth in that room at that point? Now you're looking at the receiver that you train, you know, uh, that came as a quarterback that moved to the receiver room. Now you're looking at him. Um, you know, in that that whole scenario, and I'm glad you brought it up and we'll we'll speed past it. But the interesting thing about that is that we all from the outside looking in thought it would be a, a really good quarterback battle um going forward, and that they would have a solid person behind the number one. Now we're trying to see if there's a solid person behind the number two. And if you remember correctly, this is why it's my storyline. They were ready to be put in the, the top half of the West to challenge. Uh, it's so grim. So is grandma. Uh, so that's why it's my storyline because of the reason you just said, plus Gremlin's given up quite a few yards in the last two weeks. I know one was LSU. Uh, the other one was uh, Fordham Memorial. Uh, so, you know, we got to see if they, they plug those holes as well. Coming into the game, looking at the point spread now, um, you know, just the early one, Grambling's an 11-point favorite in that game. In the hole, at home. So that's going to be a very, very interesting game. And I'm trying to find the central spread real quick because I, I can only imagine what that probably is right now. I'd take um, Grambling in the hole for 11. I'll take that. Yeah, uh, I, I would too. Um, I don't even I don't see the Mississippi Valley State line. They they might have just spared them that line after being twenty five point underdogs and still letting the D two team cover. We'll just leave that there. But you know, going in, going in, going into a new segment here, man. We usually talk FBS over FCS games, man. But we're going to start doing similar to college game day, man. Our super dog pick, man. So we're going to no risk, you know, just a biggest upset that you that you possibly see happening, and you get credit for however big the point spread is of that game, Coach, man. What's what's your upset pick this week? I don't know uh, what the line. It, it kind of moved. I went back to look at it again on another site. But this game is also part of my storyline, the UT Martin-North Al game. Uh, if you remember correctly, North Al started out, had people saying, okay, they're here, they're here, they're here. And then they had that one game where they just went flat. Um, to me, this is going to be big for them going forward because I think at this point, either they really believe in the program, they've got over that hump, or we're still building. So this to me is the one uh, – I like UT Martin, but North Dallas got to fight for their life, so I would take them in the upset. 11-and-a-half-point favorite UT Martin right now over North Alabama is what I got. I know. According to the, I know. According to the Reddit super. FCS guys. It's a hey, super, I like super. it. You kind of took mine. That was my number two. I was going to go there. It, shockingly, Coach, I tweeted out today, so pro football focus, you know, grades everything in college football, NFL football. North Alabama has the fourth highest ranked defense in the entire country right now. Above North Dakota State. Yeah. Uh, Offensively, I mean, they've just been struggling. They turned it over. 
hadn't been able to stay on the field. I, I like that. That was my number two. Listen, I'm just going to go like a minor upset here because there was a few that I looked at, but we're going to preview them later. I, for for this one, I'm going to go Rhode Island over Villanova. Oh. I, there's a lot of hype around Villanova. Like I've seen some people on some people's ballots, but they got this. They got Villanova in the top 20. I don't think Villanova is that I don't understand what they're seeing there. They lost a lot of pieces from last year. I don't necessarily believe that they're one of the top CAA teams. I love what Rhode Island brings back, man. Listen, Kasim Hill at quarterback is one of the top candidates for the Walter Payton right now. I like I like Rhode Island to go on the road, beat Villanova. I want to say the spread is two and a half or three. So not a huge upset, but I still think it'll be a big, a big upset when it comes down to conference play in the CAA. And that's going to be a big game. Um, Rhode Island, I think, has to uh, has to get this one um, if they want to keep pace. But uh, again, like you said, Villanova is kind of getting the uh, the hype. I think uh, their passing game is coming along, uh, even though I think they want to be more on the rushing side. So if they impose their will of slowing this game down, I think they've got an opportunity. So I, I, I'll go with you on that one. Yeah, I, I like both of those. You know, Coach, shifting to – guys, I know a lot of people have been asking for us to do just a strictly HBCU uh, segment on the show, man. So what me and Coach are going to do, we're going to take one MEAC game, one SWAC game each, man, just the one we're most looking forward to. Coach already kind of gave his pick for the SWAC. But, Coach, I want to throw it over to the MEAC real quick. Out of all the MEAC games this week, man, you got Valley versus Central, Delaware State going to Miami of Ohio. Let's not pick that one. Norfolk traveling over to Townsend, the Citadel going to South Carolina State, and UAlbany traveling to Morgan State. Is Which MEAC game this week are you most looking forward to? I think that's – and it's one that we were talking about or going to talk about. Um, it's Morgan State and that D. Hmm. Uh, have they given out? because uh, they played hard each and every week uh, with not a lot of help from the other side. So that's going to be my my game to watch to see if that defense can continue to bring it uh, and if offense can kind of help them out just a little bit. I'm with you. that, And I'll give an honorable mention real quick before I shift back to Morgan State, UAlbany. The Citadel, South Carolina State is super interesting to me because of how bad the Citadel is. If South Carolina State and Buddy Pugh lose that game, just let that man retire in peace. The season is going to be extremely long if you lose to the Citadel right now. I mean, I, was about coach, to say. I mean, you saw the coach. What was it? I think I I, I want to say I sent it to you on Twitter or, or posted on Twitter. Their coach got on the stage and was asked how we felt about his team. And he was like, we're not a very good football team. He was like, yeah. we have a lot of issues. I don't like this team. Like pretty much was like, we're terrible. And they're 0-3 right now, have not looked good. I mean, have gotten blown out by Campbell already. They have not looked competitive in any of the – even their FCS games. If the if South Carolina State can't win this game, it is going to be a long day because the Citadel right now is a bottom five FCS team in the entire country. And I think we kind of talked about that, uh, me and you. I'm trying to get back to the screen. I don't know what happened. Uh, you sent that to me, and that was one of those deals where I was just like, okay, maybe he's playing. Uh, there's no way he's serious about that. And I, I hope still that he's playing with that uh, when he talks about that deal. I, I don't think he was. He even said he wasn't. He was like, no, I, I mean this. Like, we're not good. And South Carolina State's got to win that game. I, but I'm with you. You Albany and Morgan. Like, and Coach, I was, I mean, I was carrying them. I was waving the Morgan flag. 
going into the season and over the first three weeks. Yeah. Last yeah. week, last week against Townsend, man, they all their all the blemishes that everyone kind of saw and overlooked a little bit. Oh, like so it just, yeah. it just, it all just came out. I mean, they're. I, I think Morgan's defense is good enough to keep to keep this one competitive, but the problem is. U Albany has the best quarterback, including Akron, that Morgan's seen all year in Poffenbarger. They have talented wide receiver, and they're in de- Morgan's weakness on the offense outside of what's going on at quarterback. Because we know they got running backs, I think they got some talented wide receiver. Morgan's biggest issue is offensive line play. They got two of the best edge rushers in the CAA over there at U Albany. If your quarterback is already not making the throws, it doesn't help that he's going to get pressured all night and hit all night. And that's going to be an issue. And that's why I say, you know, if it's going to be interesting to see has that side of the ball packed it in uh, or can the offense help them just a little bit? Can the special teams help them just a little bit early to keep them going? Because I think if it goes in the later it gets and they keep pitching a shutout or they keep it close and then they keep getting three and outs by the offense, I think then you'll see where they just kind of like – here we go again, and then it goes from from bad to worse. Uh, it's going to be a tough task. You Albany can put up points, uh, but this defense can slow them down. But can their offense put up just a few points to keep their defense rolling and, and, and engaged in the game? If Morgan is it, okay, so if we if so, Vic's in the chat. His name is Poffin Barger. B A R G E R. Poffin Barger. Yes, Poffin Barger. But coach, U Albany is a 14 and a half point favorite in this game, which is a insane spread. I think Morgan covers that potentially. At home. Yeah, yeah, at, at home. home. Like, like that's that's tough. But in and Banks is in the chat, former Morgan player, my guy from HBC United. He said he said the weather is gonna be terrible. It's gonna be raining, it's gonna be ugly <laughs> on, on Saturday night. But I will say the thing that worked. That the thing for Morgan to pull off the upset is they have to run the football, eat the clock up, and yep. their defense has to score. Their defense has to score a touchdown this week. Shorten the game, and I don't want to put the pressure on their defense to score. That's why I said the offense and special teams. <laughs> um, but they've got to get some help, man. I, I feel bad for those guys on that side of the ball because they should really be undefeated right now. I mean, if truth be told, they should really be undefeated right now. And uh, we're still talking about 18 to 22-year-old kids. Uh, at some point, man, that psyche is going to be tough to overcome. And like I said, you get into the third quarter and it's 10 nothing, and you're on, a, you're on and you're on and you're on, and then your offense is steadily just coming off. At some point, you know, those guys, it's, it's going to seep in and it's going to be a tough little deal. Uh, but hopefully they can keep it together, give a good showing, and get ready to go into conference play, you know. I will say I don't think Morgan's de- Morgan's defense hasn't given up twenty points this year. No, they're they're lights out. I mean they're elite. Like this defense, like if you, I, I'm not even saying don't even give me like the best offenses in the FCS. If they had an offense that would rank in between forty to fifty in the FCS, just a mid level FCS offense, they'd be sitting at three. They'd be sitting at three and zero, and probably I'm picking them to go four and zero if they just had a blip of offense. Somebody that could go maybe 14 points a game, uh, 17 points a that, game. That's sad. <laughs> I don't know yeah. if that's even 40 or 50. Like 17 points per game as an offense is atrocious. I mean, we get back to the Baltimore era 
They're in Baltimore. That's true. That's the true. Ravens. Hey, That's Trent true. Dilfer just handed off. We got the rest. You know, that yeah. kind of thing. That's fair. Okay, I'll give you that. That that's how they're gonna have to win games. And you talk about that Ravens defense; they won a lot of games because they scored defensive touchdowns and set their offense up in easy drives. And and, and the Jamal other thing, Morgan, just ran down people's throats. Exactly. Established run. Also, Morgan's offense cannot turn the football over. That has been a major no. issue. Deuce cannot throw three interceptions against you, Albany. No. If he throws, if he throws two to three picks against you, Albany, they they cover the spread. They they're gonna win by twenty plus if they if they lose a turnover battle like that. Raining, snowing, or whatever. If you yeah. turn it over at that point, if they can just get the fourth down and kick it away, and keep the field uh, position in their in their favor, um, I think they'll have an opportunity. I, I I agree. And shifting to the swag, you already kind of gave yours up with Texas Southern Grambling State. I think we both agree that that game's going to be interesting, especially if 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 Andrew Body was healthy. This game would be one I'm really looking forward to with him probably out. Not feeling super confident on that upset pick, even with Grambling's defensive struggles. But man, I think we're going to talk about one later, the Fanview Alabama State game. We'll talk about that one next. But listen, coach, you couldn't say it. But PV Alcorn statement. We talked, we talked in the in, in the in the recap show about how important this game was, man. I think this has the best positional matchup in the SWAC this weekend with Alcorn's front seven versus the O-line and running game of PV. There's no other game in the conference that has strength versus strength like that. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I didn't, like you said, I didn't want to bring it up, but yeah. uh, it's, a, uh, it's definitely a, a good matchup. Um, we're at home again, like our chances at home. And uh, when you talk about what they do well versus what we do well, uh, we match up. And I think it gives us an opportunity to, uh, as we say around here, win it. Uh, Mayweather style, you know, 10-9 every round, 10-9 every round, you know, bend but don't break. Uh, so I think we could uh, we could see a really good game here um, in the sense that we've got to come to play and, and be ready to go one up, really two games up. The winner of this one here um, is control in control of it. Uh, and I know it's just one game, but you're really in control of it when you go one up. Um, that team that you go one up on head to head is now down by two. Uh, so, you know, I think it'd be a good, a good matchup and whoever imposes their will first, um, I think wins this. one. Man, uh, I, I wish I could give you bullet to more board material coach. You guys are nine point favorites. So can't, can't really post that in the locker room for any added motivation, but I do, I did Good find team. a team. Yeah. I did find a team who could though, coach. I found the central spread. Valley's field must be worth a lot of points because there's no way. There's no way. this this spread is 19 and a half for uh for central yeah okay they okay. They, they were 25 point underdogs 25 to delta state last week so yeah. <laughs> wait, and it's not even at Valley. My bad. I forgot. They're at a neutral site too. They're they're in Chicago or wherever the hell that game is. That's that's tough. I it, Davius must be worth that many points because I was gonna say maybe it's because of the quarterback. Mm, 19 and a half seems really low for a team that is not looked impressive against two D2 teams. Ain't no doubt. And you're talking about the reigning champs coming. Uh into town as well. I, 
Maybe they know something we don't know. Hey, maybe they'll take your advice. They'll post that in the locker room this time. The bat, the bathroom calls, all that. But both teams. But yeah, coach, I think PV Alcorn State, obviously. And, you know, let's get into this one. FAMU Alabama State. FAMU puts the second longest home winning streak on the line this weekend against Alabama State, who, listen, I've heard, I, there's been rumblings that there's going to be a new quarterback for Alabama State. D. Davis headed to the bench, supposedly. I'm not, I, I say supposedly because at the end of the day, you never know. <laughs> In college football these days, they don't release official depth charts, but it looks like Damon Stewart. Played over at UAB, East Mississippi Community College is going to be the guy at quarterback. Coach, when you look at this matchup, what it, what's, what's the biggest thing you're looking for between the Rattlers and the Hornets? The biggest thing I'm looking for is FAMU is now the hunted. Um, how are they going to handle that? Uh, you know, the past couple of years, they've been the ones that have had to keep pace. Uh, now that, that target is square on their back. Um, the good thing about it, it it's home. And I just want to see how they're going to react to it. They can't have that slow start that they had last week. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what Coach Simmons has up his sleeve for his guys to come out with a fast start. Uh, also, from the other side, like you just said, the quarterback situation, uh, we've heard that before. And you've seen game after game where there was no change. Uh, and that's, up, that's really in-house. It's what they feel through the week with, with playing. But I think you also got to gauge your team with that situation because so goes your quarterback, so goes your team. So uh, I think this is a a good situation for FAM, and I think this is a situation where Alabama State can insert itself uh, into the talk again for the East Championship. Uh, but I just don't know if they have enough to win this thing on the road in Tallahassee with a, with a gassed-up crowd who can sense – you know, getting to that championship game. Uh, I just don't know if Alabama State has enough to do it. Because you just you, if you sit that kid, you're sitting your leading rusher as well. That's a big thing, so too. Yeah, I mean, he, because he's really kind of been, as bad as he has been through the air, he's kind of been their savior in terms of his legs. So uh, it's, it's going to be super – Interesting. Oh, and, and someone put in the chat. Yes, it's it's in Indianapolis. They played in Chicago against Central State, and now they're playing in Indianapolis Valley and Central. So I wanted to put that out there. I, I misspoke on that. But coach, Man. going into this game, Florida A and M is eighteen and a half point favorites in this one. Yes. That's a big spread. It's probably because of the QB uncertainty. Because let's not forget, Southern had despite them losing the game, Southern had a lot of success getting to the quarterback, and. You can say what you want about FAMU right now. That kid, Anthony Dunn Jr., has emerged as a problem at edge rusher. I want to say seven tackles for loss this year, already four and a half sacks, one of the top in the swag and top in the country in terms of sacks and tackles for loss per game. Their front seven, also a gentle hunt. They might have enough talent to really get to Damon Stewart, D. Davis, whoever they have at quarterback. And then it comes down to can Alabama State establish to run because we know what FAMU can do. They got two monsters at running backs with Jennings and, and, and the and the transfer kid Yant. They are physical. Their offensive line is physical. What did Alabama State do over the bye week? To, did they add a wrinkle? That's the question mark because we got some film on them. Not super impressive against Southern, even in the win. Really not impressive in the D two loss. FAMU's riding super high. 
They're in the driver's seat for the division. The momentums for both these teams seem to go in completely opposite directions. Coach, I think FAMU has enough defensively to really give Alabama State problems and overcome any problems that their defense could give Musa. Their run game's too consistent. Their offensive line's too good. I, I think FAMU wins this one and, and wins this one by 14-plus. Yeah, because if you have quarterback problems, I don't think this is the defense, so to speak, that you want to see as a collective. Um, because, like you said, your guy in the middle, I think you really like him, uh, the big, nice guy, uh, plus the edge rusher. And then you're talking about taking the guy that can make plays with his legs. Uh, you're talking about sitting him. Uh, this could be a long, long night for them. Um, I'm scared of the 18 and a half. But I'll go with you on the 14. Uh, I'm thinking, you know, uh, 14, fam, you there at home, a uh, comfortable 14. Yeah, I, I, th I think that's kind of where I am. 18 and a half in any conference game, especially a conference, you know, that just especially one with one team's coming off of a bye week, that's a lot of points to put up. Now, it wouldn't surprise me if they covered it, but to pull the upset, man, Alabama State's defense is going to have to play, I mean, just right lights out. Because last right year at home, they forced three big interceptions against Musa, came down to them returning that block field goal. So it was close. But it's like if you force those mistakes, you have the offense to make the pay because the most frustrating thing as a coach has to be your defense goes out there, forces a turnover, you give it back to the offense, and it's a quick three and out. And you're looking at like, man, what did, what did we just do all that work for? You get nothing. <laughs> yeah, you can't have that happen. But this is a big test for – because, Coach, I know how – I, I know for you being a coach, you've you've probably been in this position where one of your quarterbacks, you got a new quarterback coming in off of bye week. You had all week to work with them. Now he's coming in like this is your chance to lock up the job. If if he goes out there and struggles, there's going to be fans out there like, okay, is D Davis the better option or is there a third option that we should possibly go to? Like like if he doesn't go out here and just even in a loss, coach, if he goes out there, throws for 200 plus is accurate, runs the offense, gets the offense established a little bit. He can seize this job and the, the QB conversations out the window. But if he goes out there and struggles, it's another week of coach. Who's our quarterback this week? Yes. And that's why I said a couple of shows ago when we were talking about a program that was saying they were going to go with a two quarterback system. Uh, this is really dicey uh, because at the end of the day, if the young man you substituted in is having a horrible first quarter, how long do you stick with that? Um, how long before you go back to, you know, your guy? So it's one of those deals where, like you said, they know what happened in the bye week, how much work he actually got, how improved he looked. Um, so they got to have a game plan that they're comfortable with for him. And uh, they got to be willing to ride with it because you can't have a quick hook for this kid here after you make this kind of change. You can't have a quick hook. It's just not going to work. You have to have them ready after a bye week. Now, if you made the move on a short week or something like that, I can get it. There was some like – it doesn't look great early, but man, you've had a whole, you've had a bye week now. Like you got to get it moving. And plus, he played at the end of the last game, so yeah. you got to get something rolling by now. But coach, our last four matchups we're going to talk about on the show, man, all ranked matchups. It's a loaded FCS schedule, man. I mean, just there's so many good games this weekend. But coach, we're going to start here. Number twenty one Mercer traveling to number eight Furman in a huge SoCon matchup. Coach, I mean. 
with the way both of these teams have performed over their first three games, there's a lot of question marks about both of them. We saw Mercer struggle with North Alabama, give up a whole lot of points to Moorhead State, a non-scholarship school, but then Furman really did not look super impressive against Kennesaw State at times last week, had that FBS game against South Carolina, so there's still some question marks. Is there any way the Bears pull off the road upsets over the Paladins? Man, this is one of the ones where – I think the uh, the home field takes uh, takes president um, because they've had that uh, that extra day at the house, so to speak. I just you know if they turn it over, it's going to be a, a a tight situation for them. But I just think that they Furman being at home, I think it bodes well for them. Uh, but they can't have a slow start, uh, and neither can Mercer. Mercer jumps out early. It could be a long night for uh, Furman, but I think they've got to sew up what they want to do because I think they're trying to be a really balanced team as I'm looking at Mercer's numbers. And me and you talked about it. Nobody can really be just strictly balanced. They've got to decide what they want to do. Um, and on the road, the running game always travels. But I don't think they can pull this one off. Not not on the road. Not on the road. You know, I I was really high on on Mercer coming into the year. I thought this could be a game where they really established themselves, but I still haven't seen anything out of Carter PV that makes me feel like he can go on the road and beat a Furman team that is one of the most loaded teams in the subdivision. They still it still feels like he's kind of handcuffed in the offense. We talked about it after week zero against North Alabama. Man, you got two of the best wide receivers in the country, man. Neither yeah. of them have had 15 catches this year. And that's the part that's puzzling to me. Um, That's why I say you can't be balanced. You have those guys, either you're going to go full blow, uh, airing it out. I got a guy that can throw it. I got guys that can catch it. Or you're going to go run game. Um, And I think that's where they're kind of caught. I still believe that if your QB is that guy and you have those guys on on the outside, you still put up more than seven versus Ole Miss. Uh, yeah, but again, I, I don't know what their strategy was going into that. Uh, I can't speak to that because I wasn't in that room. That was just a little disappointing for me uh, with that situation. But again, you got two guys on the outside that can go do it right now. You got to use them. Got to use them. It's frustrating. I mean, their defense has, has been solid, man. I mean, Isaac Dowling, Miles Redding, and those guys, Lance Wise. But when I look at Furman, though, on the flip side, Tyler Huff has to give me more through the air, man. One touchdown, two picks this year, about 500 yards passing. He does have four rushing touchdowns, and him and Dominic Roberto have been solid on the ground. I want them to be more efficient, though, running the football. It's going to be a big test against Mercer's front seven because they don't have a single running, like a starting running back that's averaging four yards per carry right now for Furman. That's not what everyone thought with that offensive line, with all the returning talent, what they thought they were going to do. But defensively, man, I think is where it's going to come down to. That's going to be the difference, I think, is Furman's so big on the defensive line that I think it's going to give Mercer's offensive line problems. We saw North Alabama give that offense a lot of problems, getting them off rhythm, being in the backfield, establishing the line of scrimmage behind, you know, in Mercer's backfield. That's where Furman's going to win this game, I think. When I, I went to this game last year when it was at Mercer, that was the difference. Man, Mercer's O-line just didn't know how to handle this defensive line. They returned everyone across it. Added a lot of nice pieces. Man, I also love Hugh Ryan. 
Cam Brinson and some of those guys on, on, in in the um, on the Furman defense. I think the Paladins have enough to get this done, Coach. And just looking at the quarterback position, I trust Furman and Tyler Huff to just get something done. He's such a playmaker. Now it might not always look pretty, but. He, me and you talk, he compared his game to Baker Mayfield. That's kind of what he is, where he's just going to go out there and make a play happen. Even if even if he's struggling, he, he never loses confidence. I'll take that over a Mercer offense right now that just doesn't look like they, they trust their starting guy. And when you have so many weapons at a dependent position like wide receiver and they're not involved in the overall game plan, that makes me worried on the road. So I'm, I'm going to take Furman in a close one, Coach. But I think Mercer has the talent to make it interesting. But I just I – just, I got a feeling Furman's going to pull it out at the, at the house. And we'll see what they learn from that uh, North Al game. Like you said, um, similar problems up front uh, present themselves again. Uh, you've got a guy. You've got to be able to move him, uh, change the pocket, give him different locations to throw the ball. And you've got to find uh, creative ways to get those guys the football on the outside. Yeah, I mean, shifting over to the CAA, man. Number 11, New Hampshire, traveling to number 19, Delaware. One of the top CAA matchups so far this season. Coach, I mean, listen, New Hampshire enters with a lot of hype. Delaware's kind of proved the doubters wrong. They lost a lot of pieces, but have really been rolling this season throughout out-of-conference play outside of that game against Penn State. Coach, can the Blue Hens pull off the upset at home over the Wildcats? I have that picked as a... Uh... That's an upset because they're at Ooh. home. They're I at like home. It. I think they find a way. Uh, I think the QB finds a way to make it interesting. I think the running game uh, does just enough. Um, I, I like them at home. That, that's my uh, that's my pick. Uh, their quarterback, Wow. like I said, I think he's got to be a little more efficient at home. But if he gets a running game to help him out, uh, I, I think they pull this one off, man. Yeah, listen, Ryan O'Connor's got to play better if, the, if the, you're going to be proven right on that one. That's, he's got to be more yeah, efficient. I did say that. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you because that's the that's the biggest reason I'm going New Hampshire, man. He's been – O'Connor's been too inefficient. Now, I will say Marcus Yarns has emerged as a problem at running back. That kid over three games, 332 yards, 11 and a half yards per carry, and four rushing touchdowns. I mean, the kid's – balling right now and is and he's a receiving threat which makes it even which makes him even more dangerous i love the transfer kim wimberly the harvard transfer listen man he can go up and get it i love him in one-on-one coverage also joshua youngblood who was an all-american at kansas special teams threat coach we we me and you have talked about that all the time. That can be a game changer when you have Definitely. a guy like that. And he's also he's also been a solid wide receiver for them. The the, the question mark for me is though how do you handle number 20 for New Hampshire? That man, Dylan Lobby is one of the most interesting players I've ever watched, man. The kid's 300 yards rushing, three rushing touchdowns. And coach, not only that, he ranks second in the entire country as a receiver with 20 catches for almost 400 yards and four touchdowns. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a, uh, he's truly a, a, a dual threat guy. Um, and, and I think you and, handle him by keeping him on the sideline. The problem is he also returns punts, has a punt return this year, and returns yeah. kickoffs. I mean, they'll find new ways. 
they might put him at secondary and just let him play deep safety and be like, listen, man, wherever the ball goes, you just get it. Get it. Go get it. Be, they're finding ways. Hats off to them. Hats off to that staff. They're finding they're finding ways to uh, to get that young man the ball. That's why I say, though, whereas the quarterback has to be more efficient. They've got to get the run game going. Eat that clock. They're at home. Pull this win off for good old Coach Fred. <laughs> I will say a, another difference maker. We have QB uncertainty over at Delaware, but man, Max Brosmer has been playing a lights out this year. I mean, 800 plus yards, 10 touchdowns, only one pit coach. I love quarterbacks that can get I'll that ratio that. really high. And, and he spreads the ball around, even though lobby is a dominant force, but another difference coach, we have QB inconsistency. And we talked about with this with Morgan, if you can get to the quarterback, you can cause a lot of problems, Josiah Silver, also Dylan Ruiz, two All-American defensive linemen for New Hampshire. I think that's the difference. They're going to be able to get to the quarterback, slow down that rushing attack, and when you've got the weapon like Lobby and Brosmer playing so well, I think New Hampshire finds a way to get get this one done on the road. I guess that's where we differ. (laughs) We definitely differ. I will say New Hampshire a two-point favorite. In this one, so the spread really close with this one. I think this, I think that home field advantage really is pushing that line towards Delaware. Like you said, it's tough to go win on the road, especially because you know this when you got two ranked teams. Yes, it doesn't matter where you're playing. If you're on the road, it's going to be a tough game. It's tough to travel. Tough to travel, and this is a game that's circled. Uh, So everybody's going to be locked in and ready to go. I just like them at home. You know, I like them at home. That's my my upset. I like it. I I, I definitely like it. Coach, the last two games, man, it's very rare. Listen, people ask me why there's like a conference hierarchy, why people rank conferences. This week is exactly why the Big Sky is consistently ranked higher than most other conferences. Coach, two top ten matchups in the same conference. In the same conference. Now, I mean, no that's that's crazy. Like, and then and then the fact that all these teams play each other later in the year is just, I mean, it's no just running. it's it's a murderer's row through the through the big sky. But coach, let's start here. Number three, Montana State traveling to number ten, Weber State, in a very interesting matchup. Coach, can the Wildcats find a way to shock the FCS World Bank and knock off the Bobcats, dropping them to two and two? I don't think so, man. Um... I think they understand the, the 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 task at hand. They've got to keep pace. Um, and I think, you know, with that comes the fact that they're going to lean heavy on what they do. And I think, unfortunately, the home team is not going to be able to hold up on it. And I expect uh, MTST to get off to a fast start. Uh, and they're going to be watching the scoreboard. Uh, but they've got to keep pace. And uh, – I just think that running game along with the passing game, timely passes, uh, it's going to get them out of there uh, with the victory. Um, I think the quarterback play has been really good uh, when it has to be. And we already know what their bread and butter is. Well, who's there, Mm. you know, who they're going to butter with. Um, Although, you know, Weaver comes in, they have some good pieces. I just don't know if they've got enough uh, to withstand it. Now, they'll be sky high, but I just don't know if they got enough. Montana enters the game three-point favorite coach. I will say the, the difference in this one to me is, you know, and I've been kind of critical about the potential of the passing offense for Montana State, 
but they've shown that they can do it if they need to at times, especially over the past two seasons. Tommy Mawat, probably out of this game with injury. I know he's still kind of banged up. We'll see if he plays. But at, at the worst case, Sean Chambers has started. We know what he has. But the difference in this game for me, Coach, is Kyle is Kylan. Uh, I want to say it's Weiser for Weber State, the new quarterback. He's just been too inconsistent for me. I don't think if you're going to beat a team like Montana State, you're going to have to have a guy who can go win you the football game. So far, only completing 51% of his passes, two touchdowns, two interceptions. And we saw what Montana State was able to do against South Dakota State when they really wanted to stop the run and load the box. They could do it. And as good as Damon Bankston is, and listen, the kid is a le- – I mean, he's, he's going to be up for the Walter Payton. 322, seven and a half yards per carry, five rushing touchdowns already. The kid's electric. But I just don't think they have enough offensive explosiveness to get past Montana State just because of their inconsistency at quarterback. Because, Coach, we know what Montana State is going to do. This is a team that their leading rusher, I want to say, is a true freshman, is averaging – this team is averaging 319 yards per game, 14 rushing touchdowns, and as a team is averaging seven yards per attempt. And coach for the year, they've only lost 17 yards on 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 runs, and they have over 137 attempts. You forgot the most important thing: time of possession. Oh, dominant. Time of possession, um, and that's where you force the other team into having to do something they may not want to do. Uh, consistently, and that's pass the ball to get back in the game or to keep the game close, and you hit it on the head. Uh, If you have a quarterback that's kind of inconsistent, risky with the football, that doesn't fare well in these types of games, uh, you got to be able to get just a little bit of help, and I just don't know uh, if he can do that on a consistent basis. They fall behind 10. Now he's got to start putting that ball in some risky spots. Uh, can be a little tough, uh, but I just don't think they have enough. So I'm, I'm going to stick with the uh, the higher-rated ball club in this. Coach, we talked about how loaded the running back room was. We talked about Elijah Elliott coming back. We talked about the quarterbacks. Their two leading rushers are a redshirt freshman yep. and a true freshman. With eight combined touchdowns, both averaging eight yards plus a carry, the leading rusher, Jared White's averaging 15 yards per carry. And they're not fully healthy. Yeah, it's just like, what What do you do? Like, I really, because outside of South Dakota State in that playoff game, man, nobody's really shown that they know how to stop this running, this, this rushing attack. It's going to take a special defense. Now, I will say this. The front seven for Weber State's legit, man. Winston, Winston Reed, 36 tackles, five and a half for loss, one and a half sacks. Braden Wilson with four tackles for loss already. Jack Kelly, they got a lot of talent in the front seven, so it's going to be a challenge. But even this Weeper defense last year was not able to slow down Montana State. And when you look at how well Montana State's defense has played, we talked about the questions in the secondary. Coach, they have more interceptions and touchdowns allowed this year. And you've got a quarterback coming in that's really struggled with, consistent, with, with, consist, with consistency. And that's the thing. you gotta, you got to keep the game close in order to, to, to lean on those things. Uh, but from the other side of it, I just don't know if you just – if I'm Weber State, I said we're going to load the box and we're going to make you do something else until you show – if you walk out of here and this kid has passed for 800 yards this game, so be it. But you're not going to do this by committee. Uh, we're not going to die this slow death. 
It's going to be either quick or we're going to be victorious on it. Uh, I think that's what you have to do, but I don't know if uh, Weaver's really, you know, willing to do that. But And if they're not willing to do that, I think they they die that slow death uh, watching that clock and watching run after six, run after six, first down, five mm-hmm. yards, four yards, one yard, first down, and you watch that go for 80 yards. Meanwhile, you're down 14 now. Now what? Yep. I'm I'm with you. Yeah, I got I got Montana State in this one. I think Weber has enough talent defensively to keep it close early. But like you said, I just think Montana State wears them down. And like Dan said in the chat, the offensive line is the difference. He said, "Listen, Dan, I don't know if I could average five yards to carry behind the offensive <laughs> line. Maybe I'll play H back and I'll let Coach go get his six yards per carry." <laughs> behind that offensive line. I'm probably not averaging much. <laughs> Listen, put me in the offensive line unit. Let Coach t- take the uh, take the running back spot. But, Coach, our game of the week, a top eight matchup in the Big Sky again, number four, Sacramento State, traveling to Idaho, number seven in the country. Coach, this is a big one, man, because both these teams, big FBS upset, Sac State riding super high after knocking off their former coach in Stanford. Idaho, a dominant win over Nevada already, 33-6. to Man, it, Coach, who do you have in this one? Because I'll I, I look at this one. Entering the season, this wasn't the 50-50 matchup. This is about as close to a pick game for me as you could have. I'm going Idaho. Ooh, Idaho is – Coach, the line is 0.5 for Idaho. Half a point, I'm, so pretty much a pick em. I'm going Idaho. Uh, a, they're at home. Uh, you've talked me into this quarterback, and and he's been everything as advertised. Uh, they have a good running game. Their defense is solid. And then the fact that Sack just came off of that emotional big-time win I don't care how it goes. You can date back to your high school days, B. You beat the crosstime rival. The next week, it is always tough, or at least a half, to get back up. If they come in and they're low for the first half, it could be out of reach by then. Um, I like Idaho at home for those reasons. Hey, I you know, I don't I don't think that's a bad pick, especially too. I do want to point out this is Idaho's home opener, too. So the Kibbe Dome is going to be ignorant this nice. weekend. It's oh, I, it's, go, it's going to be crazy. I And we know how domes get, man. It gets loud in those domes. Nice. But, but I will say I agree with you. I think it's a, it's a really tough road game for Sac State. This is their third road game out of four weeks. Only got one home game. It, listen, in, in, in their first four games, that's a tough stretch. And like you said, it was a huge win, man, to beat your former coach. Get a power five win in the fashion they did it with like a big touchdown in the last two minutes and then a big defensive stop. I will say this game, I think, is so close just because of the emergence of Caden Bennett at quarterback for Sac State. Right. That kid, listen, I understand Astro, O'Hara, and all those guys left, and everyone had a lot of question marks, including myself. I'm not going to put myself out there like I didn't have questions. But, man, this is a kid completing 65% of his passes, four passing touchdowns, and leads the team in rushing with four rushing touchdowns. He's averaging over seven yards per carry. And he's leading in rushing not because they don't have a running back in Marcus Fulcher. It's just because he's that dynamic with the football. And the biggest question mark for Idaho is their front seven. If they can't contain Caden Bennett and they let him not only beat him with their arm, but beat him with his legs – 
that's going to be where I'm concerned about Idaho because their biggest concern is that front seven. So if they are not able to contain Bennett, it opens up a whole new level for Sac State's offense. I'm with you. I just think McCoy has enough to, to keep pace with that. Um, this is truly one of those games that could come down to who has the ball last. Um, and we, again, at home, you said the dome. Uh, if Sacks got it last uh, with an opportunity to drive the field for the win, you know how loud that place is going to be? Oh, uh, it's it's going to be crazy. I will say it's shocking because the, we no one had concerns about the offense for Idaho. We knew Giovanni McCoy is legit. We know what Hayden Hatton is at wide receiver. Every wide receiver coach in the country wants to my Hayden Hatton right now. And you know what the offensive line kind of was. That defense coach right now, so they've played two FBS games, coach, so these stats are not inflated. They're allowing 127 yards per game through the air, three picks, only three passing touchdowns allowed, and for the year are only allowing 4.4 yards per play in less than 280 yards per game with two FBS games. That's playing ball. Mm. I'll, I'll <laughs> give me ball. that. If if my defense has question marks coming into the year and they can give me that, and also on top of that, their third game coach, they didn't play a D2 team. They played Lamar, which isn't a great team. I'm not going to act like they are, but it's better than the D2 team. Yeah, but. Yeah, so you got to give them props when they haven't played a like a give-me schedule, and they're out here putting up crazy numbers. Listen, their secondary is legit, and I will say the guy who I'm most excited to see play, it's kind of his first big test. Because Sean James Newby, man, he transferred up this year from a lower level. He was an All-American at his level. He's kind of immersed as their leader in the front seven. Two tackles for loss, a sack already at, at edge rusher. If he can have a big day, man, it really changes the game. We already know what Tommy McCormick and uh, Marcus Harris in that secondary, uh, Mervin in, in that secondary, what they can do for Idaho. But I'm with you, Coach. I think this game is going to be close. I, I, I really went back and forth on my pick. But when I look at Giovanni McCoy, when I look at Hayden Hatton, Jermaine Jackson, all the weapons they have offensively, I think Caden Bennett is going to make it interesting. But I just expect that McCoy Hatton to make a play late in the game and get this win. Coach, I got Idaho 28 to 24 last minute win. I think it's going to go, like you said, back and forth. Idaho gets the ball last. And I think the, I think that that dome is going to explode with a game winning touchdown pass. I think that's the place to be, man. If you're not in Lorman, you should be in Idaho uh, when you're talking about big games. I don't know if you've looked at some plane tickets from down here to Moscow, Idaho, but they are not cheap. <laughs> <laughs> they are not. Because, listen, I, I shout out to all the people I know up there at Idaho, man. Listen, they got one of the best SIDs in the business. He, I've talked to him about coming up there. I looked at the plane tickets. I said, I'll get back to you on that. <laughs> what? Yeah, well, well, because Moss, okay, so you got to fly into Pullman, Washington, which is like the closest city. That's where Washington State is. So you got to fly all the way to Seattle, then fly into Pullman. And then um, it's like a 15, 20 minute drive in there. And so it's just a long, it's one of those long flights. And those flights are expensive because the other airport, because listen, I'm from the South. I, you're from the South. You're from Florida. We don't have mountains. So, so when we like logically think on like, okay, how am I going to get from Mobile to Montgomery? How am I going to get from Jackson to Lorman? It's just a straight shot. Because we have no landmarks to go around, I looked. I looked into driving, like from somewhere in Idaho to somewhere. Well, I forget that there's mountains there. 
And guess what? You can't drive through the mountains. So some of the drives for us, that'd be like two hours. No, you got to drive like up and around the mountains to get to places <laughs> up there. And it's something that like me and you never have to think about. But I was like, man, I, for some reason, never clicked in my head. It's like, yeah, that makes sense. You can't drive through the Rocky Mountains. You learn something new every day. I'm telling you, man. I am thinking like the cartoons, like they just blew a hole and you drive yeah. through <laughs> Exactly. Well, because that's what they did up in like North Carolina and stuff. You can drive all through the mountains up there in like the Appalachians, but Rocky's not the chance. And listen, shout out to Dan. He said, um, I can I, I can come fly out with him out. Of, he's flying out of Jackson to go up to the Montana State game. So I might have to look into getting a plane ticket. Man, that would be a hell of a game. Idaho, Montana State. I want to say that's their homecoming too. That'd be wild. But man, coach. We, we we this is our first episode. Listen, just to give you all a heads up, we've had some complaints that some of our episodes are a little bit too long. I don't know how some listen. I don't know what podcasts or shows y'all listening to that give y'all like a full preview in 25, 30 minutes. I don't know how that even happens. But listen, me and coach are going to try to keep it an hour. Coach, we got it done today, man. Anything you want to say to the people, man? Huge game against PV this weekend. I know the recap's going to be real fun if y'all come out of there with the W. Man, uh, it will be. Uh, looking forward to it. Uh, going to be a big game. Uh, we'll be watching the scoreboard all day leading up to our game. Uh, just appreciate you guys rocking with us. Uh, continue on, man, and we'll try to keep it under an hour. <laughs> hey, there's some people in the chat saying it's not long enough, so we can't make everyone happy. So we're going to do an hour and a hour to an hour and a half. So, so Dan said in the chat, goes real quick, the drive from Idaho to Idaho State is 10 hours. I can't even imagine that, man. <laughs> yeah, I, that's just wild to me. That's just wild. But listen, guys, hit the like button, subscribe. You can find the replay of this not only on the YouTube channel, but all podcast streaming platforms, man. So go check us out, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all that good stuff, man. I'm really hoping for the recap show on Monday. Me and Coach can break the good news because, man, it's going to change the game when we break it. But go ahead, Coach. Do you have the records? Because I feel like I'm winning. I feel like you probably are. I'll get the records by the recap. I got to go back and listen because the problem is I have my record for what I do on the website because I just keep it. I copy and paste it each week, but I don't. We don't preview all the same games on the show, so I got to go back and like calculate the show scores. Yeah, because I'm winning, so I need to do a better job of keeping up with my. That's on me. That's on me. Hey, I'll go get the records, man. We're going to have to put it somewhere on the screen during the show when we do our picks. That way, people can know. But guys, like I said, subscribe. Hit the like button, all that good stuff, man. Follow us on social media right there. Me and Coach Fred's social media are below. But, guys, up until Monday, man, y'all have a great weekend, man. A lot of great football this weekend. But for Coach Fred, myself, we are out right now.